Northwoods Online. Welcome back. Happy Sunday. My name is Trey. My name is Kayla. And we are so glad that you've taken the time out of your week to join us here today. If you are new here, there's a number coming across the bottom of your screen that you can text the word new to, and that'll get you in touch with a real person, right, Kayla? Real person. That's yeah. right. And for those of you who've been around a little while longer, you're going to go to the connection card. That's right. And one of the things I want to talk about, want to highlight in the connection card is next gen serving. Yeah. You know, we heard uh, Pastor Bruce shared this last week, but the, the children in our church are the future of our church. That's and right. so they're just so vital and so important in the role of the church as a whole. And I just want to encourage you, if you've thought about serving, if you're wondering even if it's a good fit for you, try it out. I yeah. mean, it just, I just don't think you're going to regret it there. You know, I work here, I work with students, but even before that I was serving with students right. and it's just so fun. I know Trey, you've spent time yeah. in next gen ministry. And so I just encourage you, if you're on the fence, if you're thinking about it, take the step and give it That's a right. try. And you're hearing that from a resident expert. Kayla's <laughs> been doing this for a while. And long before I helped out with worship, I spent a lot of times in the rooms with these kids. And there's just something just so special and rewarding knowing that you are pouring again into the future of our church. So, hey, figure out how you can volunteer. Come and join our team. That's right. And then, as always, we love to invite you guys to go ahead and use the chat. Let mm -hmm. us know where you're joining in from. Let us know how you like to drink your coffee, how you yeah. like your carbonated water, whatever it is that you drink to start your morning. Yep. Let us know in the chat. And, and it's a great place for prayer requests. That's too, right. Right. So if you have a prayer request, again, big or small, our team is ready and they want to pray with you. So I encourage right. you, if there's something you're going through that you'd love some prayer and encouragement for, use that prayer request button. That's right. We've got pros on standby just for you, just to pray for you and love on you. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's all we have for today, right, right, Kayla? Awesome. Well, Northridge Online is going to start, right? No. no. <laughs>
that you are powerful. There's nothing that you can't do. Church, this morning I just thought it'd be a good time for us to spend a little time reflecting on some scripture and really letting the word of God speak to our hearts and challenge us. And so I'm gonna read this on the screen. You can just reflect along with me. Psalm 24 verses one through six says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. And so Lord, it is our desire as a congregation to worship in your presence, to be with you. But we understand that your word says that only those with pure hearts and pure hands can come before you. And so I just pray in these moments that you would reveal any place to us where we need to come clean before you and allow you to work in our hearts. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. I've come with my agenda 
Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus, cause He's never
trusting him never regretted it I've walked through those seasons when it feels like everything around you is caving in your emotions are running high you don't know what you're going to do but I've never regretted leaning on Jesus running to Him as my refuge. And I was just reminded this morning, David knew, he he had such a knowledge and a confidence of the Lord's faithfulness and the Lord's goodness that at the end of Psalm 142, when he was going through a rough time in his life, he said, you will deal bountifully with me. He had confidence that even though he was in the storm, He knew when all was said and done, he would look back on his life and he would say, Lord, you've dealt bountifully with me. You've been good. You've been faithful. You've been generous. And even though in the storm, it's hard to trust him. It's hard to make those kinds of declarations like we're making today that he won't fail. I've never regretted clinging to those truths of who God is. Never regretted trusting him. And so I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you might be walking through, whether large or small. But to truly make this song your declaration, I know it's hard. When we can't see His faithfulness. And we can't see Him answering and breaking in like we want to. But I want to encourage you this morning to make David's declaration your own. Say, Lord, thank you that you will deal bountifully with me. Because you're faithful because you're good. So Lord, we just agree with who you are today. We agree that you are faithful to us, come what may, and whatever we're walking through today. God, we thank you that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and that when we look back on our lives, at the very end of the story, when it's all said and done, 
We'll say, God, you never failed us. You are always faithful. You are always good. And so we declare that today in the middle of the story, before it's done, before it's over, we say, Lord, thank you that when we're faithless, you are faithful, that you will not fail us. Lord, we make that our declaration today. We bless you. We worship you for the faithful God that you are. And all God's people said, amen and amen. All right. Well, hey, as you're finding your seats, I want you to look for a few people around you and tell them, you did it. You survived one one less hour of sleep. You made it through. (laughs) Congratulations. You all get donuts. (laughs) Woo. Yes. Praise the Lord. Right. Look, welcome everyone to Northwoods. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you made it. Seriously, I'm glad that uh, you're on time. You didn't show up late and got those clocks all figured out today. Uh, But look, I want to start by giving a shout out to those of you that are brand new. If you're new here today, we would love to meet you. And so what I want you to do, pull out your phone, text new, N-E-W, to the number up there on the screen, or go out to one of the new here kiosks in the lobby because we would love to meet you. Trust me. Church is going to be a whole lot more fun when you start to get to know a few faces around here. You start to get connected and plugged into this family. So if you're new, please take that risk, that step of courage. I know it can seem daunting, but say hi, text that number. We want to get you connected here. And then for the rest of you, pull out that handy dandy connection card. Make sure you fill that out today as well. Now, I need to talk to you about our next-gen ministries today. And by next-gen, I'm simply meaning our next-generation ministries, all those ministries that serve those all the way from babies up through teens. And uh, we just got a lot of them, (laughs) and we need help to minister into the hearts and lives of the next generation. We need more people who will say, yes, I'll give some time, some energy to speak into and pour into the next generation here at Northwoods. So look, here's the deal. We're looking for a hundred new volunteers who will even give up just one service a month. One service a month, which because we have two services, you can still attend a service, but just take the other one and say, I'm I'm gonna spend that service pouring into the next generation. So here's what I want you to do. I want each of you to ask the Lord, ask him in your heart, Lord, do you want me to be one of those 100 new volunteers that they're looking for to pour into that next generation. Just ask him and see what he says. And if you feel like the Lord is tugging on your heart to get involved, either go out to our little desk out there in the lobby where our next gen team is waiting. They can answer questions, they can get you signed up or go online, go on the app, whatever works best for you. Just ask the Lord and see what he says, okay? Now, after today, we're going to finish uh, the series that we're in on tithing today, but then we're going into a series we're calling the Lost Series, because we're looking at all the lost parables in Luke 15, and we're going to get to understanding more about God's heart for the lost, those that are far from him. And uh, our founding pastor may or may not be preaching 
in that series, okay? You didn't hear that from me, okay? <laughs> no, look, if you've, if you've only been to Northwoods in the last year, our founding pastor, he was our senior pastor. He planted, founded this church. He hasn't preached in like a whole year. And so we're very, very excited that he's gonna be back and sharing the word of God with us, okay? So that's that. And then we're gonna come right into Easter, okay? Now, do not forget... Easter is a time of year when people's hearts are more open than any other time to just being invited to church. People that have never come to church, they know nothing about Jesus. Maybe they don't even want anything to do with Jesus. Something about the time of year, the season of Easter, people are just more open. So we want to encourage you before we get to Easter, be thinking, be reflecting, be praying on who might God have me invite to church. I want you to think about that. Do you have a neighbor? Do you have a friend, a family member that you could say, hey, come with me to Easter at Northwoods. Think about who that might be and then step out and start inviting them as we get closer to Easter. And then look, once Easter is finished, that's when we're gonna transition into the You Asked For It series, okay? You guys have been sending in all kinds of questions, ideas, topics that you wanna hear John preach about. I hope you didn't go easy on him, okay? <laughs> he gets to preach on what he wants to preach basically the whole year, and this is the one time where he's gonna be preaching on the things that you asked for. So again, we're going right into that after Easter. Another great opportunity for you to invite people that have never been to church or don't know Jesus. Now, on giving, okay? We've been in the series on tithing, and again, I just wanna underline how grateful we are for your giving, because truly, we can't do anything here apart from your giving. All the ministries that happen here at Northwoods, they happen because you sacrificially and generously choose to give to the Lord out of obedience to his word. So we wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those of you that maybe you even started tithing or started giving in a new way during this series, uh, don't forget, you can give at the drop boxes, you can give in the app, online, by text, whatever works best for you. And however you choose to give, again, just know we are grateful. Our hearts say thank you to each of you that give, all right? And I have the joy, speaking of giving, I have the joy of letting you see a little bit of what your giving has helped us to accomplish. Because of your giving, we're able to partner with a brand new church plant down in Texas. And we got a little video to show you exactly what's happening down in the Lone Star State. So check it out. Hey guys, I'm Graham. And I'm Claire, and we are so grateful and so excited for your partnership as we work together to advance the gospel here in Fort Worth. We love Northwoods. John's okay, but we do love Northwoods. Just kidding. We love Pastor John. We love Northwoods. We love partnering with you. Uh, Fort Bible Church is a very simple vision. It's church made personal. We believe that Jesus obviously came down in the flesh to deliver the good news and that the Father sent his son to die for their sins. And so we wanna deliver that good news personally to the people of Fort Worth, Texas, and you are a paramount partnership 
uh, in that process. Thank you guys so much. Would you please, if you get to think of us, would you please pray? Uh, we've just now kind of recently had college students come discover our church. So it means our tithes have increased by $7.25, which is awesome. Just kidding. Uh, but that means that uh, some of our college students are discovering and seeing this uh, beautiful good news. And so if you just pray for them, that we would equip them and send them out to be the missionaries we know that they can be wherever they go. Uh, and we want to partner with you to do that too. Uh, but if you would just pray for those college students at TCU that come to our, our church, that'd be awesome. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. Fort Worth Bible Church, and uh, again, some great things happening there. And I talked to you about Fort Worth Bible Church a few weeks back. Uh, I think we talked about that in January, but they are church plant number four that we have partnered with, and there's great things happening there, as you heard from Graham and Claire, and I look forward to introducing you to them uh, in the coming year. They are off to a running start. They're currently meeting at an elementary school down in Fort Worth, and uh, they have seating for somewhere around 280, and every week they've been averaging over 200, so they are filling up very quickly. Amazing things that God is doing. And uh, they have a dream to plant several churches out of theirs, and I believe they will. And so I want to let you know, again, just what God is doing through your giving and, and through each of us as we pursue our vision to plant churches. And like I said, I look forward to introducing you to Graham in this coming year. Now, it's great to be here with you this morning. Again, you all look, uh, you look pretty alive. That's, that's good. Less hour, one less hour of sleep. I'm glad you made it in. Like, this is, this was a hard morning to make it here, but you made it. We got snow and you got an hour less of sleep, but you're here. And so God bless them for being here, okay? Now, today we jump into the final week of our short two-week series that we've been entitled Tithing Explained. And last week, we started by talking about how, uh, just what the word tithe means. We started very basic. We talked about how the tithe means a tenth of goods or money given as an offering. We talked about whether the Old Testament tithing laws are still binding on Christians today. And if you're wondering, uh, the biblical answer is no. But then we close by exploring what the New Testament has to say about giving. And we found that even though giving is not law for Christians, we could say it's life for Christians, something that was normative for believers. And the Bible encourages us to excel in our giving. And, and the verse we ended with last week was 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7, which says, see to it that you excel in this grace of giving. We're to excel in our giving. Now, I've heard some that encourage their congregations to excel in giving through incentives. In fact, I once heard a pastor get up before his congregation and say, all right, friends, I got three sermons up here today. I got a $100 sermon that'll last five minutes. I got a $50 sermon that'll last 15 minutes. And I got a $10 sermon that'll last an hour. So now I'm gonna call the ushers forward and we're gonna pass the plates and I'll see which one I'm gonna deliver this morning. All right, it's a little bit of incentive. Now, we don't need, uh, I, I'm, I'm not gonna give you, like, here, here's an incentive to excel. What, what we need, I really believe, is for the Lord to change our mindset when it comes to giving. Because often, the biggest obstacle in our efforts to excel as givers may very well be 
our mindset. In other words, our mindset matters. And I once heard the story of a man who was walking through some of the twisted, you know, little back roads of, of Hong Kong, and he, he came upon a tattoo shop. And in the window were displayed samples of tattoos available. So, you know, you got anchors, flags, butterflies, etc. But while looking through the samples, the man was shocked to find one tattoo that was just three words and read, born to lose, born to lose. So the man entered the shop and pointed to those words. He asked this Chinese tattoo artist, like, do people really get born to lose tattooed on themselves? And the, you know, the, uh, the Chinese man, he just nodded his head and said, yeah. And the man said, I just cannot believe that anyone in their right mind would get tatted up with born to lose. And the Chinese man just simply tapped his forehead and in broken English said, before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. You get what he's saying. The story illustrates that often our lives become driven by a collection of beliefs that get tattooed on our minds over time. And so we could call these limiting beliefs because they limit our potential and our ability to respond fully to God. And when it comes to giving, I've found that there are at least four limiting beliefs. I'm gonna walk through these, maybe there's more, but I've found that there are four common limiting beliefs that keep people, keep us from excelling as givers. So here's the first limiting belief. It's the belief that says giving money is like losing money. So this mindset sees giving as throwing money down a black hole. It's money you're never gonna see again. And this is the one that for a good majority of my life, I lived with. And people in this category are always thinking about return on investment. And so because we believe that giving is like losing, we shy away from it and turn to places we perceive will bring us a greater return. Limiting belief number two is the mindset, the belief that says I give, but I do it because I feel forced. So you got those who feel like giving is losing, then you have those who feel like giving is I do it because I feel forced. See, some approach giving with a very legalistic mindset that says you know, giving is a law that must be adhered to and if I don't, God will be very angry with me. And so since it's a law, I wanna keep him happy, I give. And so this leads to giving that's done under compulsion and out of guilt. Now here's another limiting belief, limiting belief number three. If I give, I won't have enough to meet my needs. So people in this category approach giving with fear and anxiety constantly sabotaged by the thought, what if I give and then I don't have enough? What if after I give, my car breaks down or the furnace goes out or what if I lose my job? If I give to others, if I give to God, I might not have enough to meet my needs. And then here's limiting belief number four that I see sometimes. It's the mindset that says, I give to God in order to get more for me. So people in this category believe that giving is a way of getting God to give you more so you can increase your standard of living. So people in this category give, but their motivation is centered on 
what they will get in return. I'll give God this, but I'm giving it because I believe he's going to give me this and it's going to come back a hundredfold, baby. So these are four limiting beliefs, okay? I, giving money is like losing money. I give, but I do it because I feel forced. If I give, I won't have enough to meet my needs. I give to God in order to get more for me. So these are the four most common limiting beliefs I've experienced and seen in my life. But if we're gonna excel in our giving, we have to overcome those mindsets. So how do we do that? Well, the good news is that the passage of scripture we're gonna look at today actually provides what I'm gonna call four liberating truths that counteract each of those four limiting beliefs. And so if you wanna follow along in your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter nine. Last week, we looked at a portion of 2 Corinthians eight, and now we're gonna look at chapter nine. These are the two of the most profound chapters on giving in the New Testament. So I'm gonna summarize the opening verses of this chapter, and then we're gonna pick it up in 2 Corinthians nine and verse six. So it starts, the Apostle Paul is, we, we learn that he's about to send some of his helpers to the Corinthian church to collect a special offering that the church of Corinth had pledged previously or said that they would commit to giving previously to help the poor who were in Jerusalem. But now in this chapter we find they're getting cold feet. So Paul writes to say, basically, church, you said you wanted to give generously to the saints in Jerusalem. And I've been sharing about you and I've been encouraging other churches to follow your example. And so now I'm writing you to say, don't embarrass yourself and me by backing out. And then starting in verse six, Paul takes the opportunity to teach them four liberating truths about giving. Here's the first liberating truth we find. It's this, when we give to God, it's not loss, it's gain. When we give to God, it's not a loss, it's gain. Let's read what Paul says in verse six. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So Paul is speaking about generosity and giving and he uses a farming analogy. If a farmer sows a little seed, he can expect to reap a little harvest. But if a farmer sows a large amount of seed, he can expect to reap a larger harvest. Pretty self-explanatory. So he's saying when you give generously, aka sow your seed, it does result in generous getting. You will reap a harvest. There is a return that comes back to you. Now to be clear, the return isn't so you can go out and upgrade from a Ford to, to a Ferrari, as he'll go on to explain later. But it would seem that Paul is talking to those embracing the belief that says giving money is just like losing money. And he says, no, when you give generously to God, it's not a loss, it's gain. So let me push this analogy a little bit further. Okay, if you think about farming, when a farmer goes out and sows his seed, initially, it appears like a loss because now I have no more seed, it's all buried in the ground. But farmers know that initially what might appear to be a loss 
has the potential to turn into gain later when it comes to harvest time. So I want you to think about it this way. I have one kernel of corn right here. If I go and plant this kernel of corn, I can generally expect to get one ear of corn back, sometimes even two. But let's just say I, I sow this seed, this one kernel, and I get and I reap one ear. Do you know how many kernels are on one ear of corn? The average is 640 kernels per ear. That's a 640% return. So I want, what am I saying? The, the point is this, that when we give what we have to God and place it in his hands, he can multiply it. When I give to God, it's never loss, it's gain. Now, is the gain always financial? Well, Paul's talking about it in that terms right here, but sometimes the gain is in joy. Sometimes the gain is fulfillment. Sometimes the gain is contentment. Paul said that godliness with contentment is gain. You know, Jesus even said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, Jesus is saying human generosity is rewarded with divine generosity. And I heard the story of a very wealthy man who was known for his generosity and was once asked, how did you become so wealthy when you give so much away? And his answer was, well, I shovel it out and the Lord shovels it in and God has the bigger shovel. See, when I give to God, when I place what I have in his hands, it's not loss, it's gain. And like I said, is the gain always financial? No, sometimes it is, but sometimes we gain in the form of joy, in fulfillment, in contentment. But the point is, whatever form the gain comes in, you can expect, that's what Paul's saying, the gain to be more than the give. And understand, Paul wasn't saying this to create a motivation in us that's just about getting something in return, but he was saying it to help people recognize that when you give, it's not a loss, that there's always reward when we give. But then Paul goes on and he gives us another liberating truth. Here's liberating truth number two. He says, we aren't forced to give. That's how I would say it. We aren't forced to give, we're free to give. We aren't forced to give, we're free to give. Look what Paul says next. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul is saying when it comes to giving, our motivation matters. And he says, I want you to understand, when it comes to giving, you're not under the gun. In other words, he's saying you aren't forced to give, you're free to give. And this directly confronts the limiting belief that says, I give, but I do it because I feel forced. No, this says God loves a cheerful giver. And let's be honest, there's no joy there or cheer when we feel forced or under compulsion because we think God will be angry if we don't. You know, I learned this idea of playing basketball. 
When I played basketball in middle and high school, my mindset was I need to keep the coach happy. Now, I didn't have a coach tell me like, your, your only goal is to make me happy. I just kind of picked that up from playing throughout the years. And so I had this mindset, and it was, it was my own. It wasn't a, I'm not saying a coach put this on me, but I had this mindset that I have to score X amount of points or coach will not be happy. I must run every play perfectly. I cannot forget a play. I must never lose my man on defense. That one happened a little more often than I'd like to share. But I, I had this mindset. So consequently, when I played, I always played with this weight hanging over my head that if I don't do exactly what the coach wants, he's going to be angry at me. So I constantly played under this pressure to perform. And I'll tell you right now, it sucked the joy out of the game for me. But then when I got to college, I had a coach who noticed that I had this mindset. And so he would constantly come to me and he would say, John, I want you to understand something. The goal of the game is not to make me happy. The goal of the game is to win. So for example, if I call a play and in the midst of that play, you see an opportunity to score, even if the play's not done, do it. The point of the play is not to run the play all the way through. The point of the play is to score. And I'll tell you what, he set me free to play basketball. And it not only brought joy to the game, but I ended up being a much better player. And the same is true when it comes to our giving. When we approach giving with a legalistic mindset that says, oh, God forces us to do this, and if we don't, he'll be angry, it just sucks all the joy out of giving. But when we approach giving, as Paul says, not, as, not reluctantly or under compulsion, a.k.a. freely, it does bring joy. And God loves a cheerful giver. And you will excel as a giver. Now, before I move on, I want to touch on one other key phrase in that passage. So, uh, team downstairs, if you could bring up 2 Corinthians 9, 7 again. I want to make sure... I, we get this on the screen one more time if we can get that up there. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. There you go. That's six. One more. I want you to focus on that phrase, each of you. Each of you. I want you to understand that giving is something Paul envisioned all of God's people freely taking part in. He said each of you. Every one of us should be engaged. Now, sometimes I get the question, Okay, I get that I should be engaged with my giving, but where should I engage with my giving? Should I give to the church or should I give wherever I feel most led? And I believe it's a both and with a small caveat. I believe that according to God's word, we should always start with the local church that we are a part of, the place where we worship and are spiritually fed. Now, I've heard people say, well, at the church I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not being spiritually fed. Okay, well, then I would say, all right, well, then go to a church that you are being spiritually fed at and give there, okay? And if you ain't being spiritually fed here, listen, I would encourage you, go to a place where you are and give there. But the point is, you give to the place where you worship and where you are being spiritually fed. Bible says the church is the pillar and foundation of truth in our world. And so we should want to ensure that churches that uphold the truth and lift Jesus high in communities are resourced and funded. And as each of us give here, we fuel all that God is doing through our church, in our community, and around the world. 
Now, some also will say, or have had the question, can I just give my time to the church instead of my money? It's a valid question. And I would say, while the church needs each of us to engage with our time, if we all only gave our time, we wouldn't be able to keep the lights on. We couldn't resource churches like this church plant that we just talked about in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Bible Church. They need people that will come and help them give their time, yes, but they also need funds. And I believe we should always start by giving to the church we worship at, but then we should also be generous to other organizations and individuals as the Lord leads. If another effort or or mission captures your heart, give generously. In fact, in in this passage in particular, Paul is talking about collecting a special offering that was over and above their giving to their church. But it wouldn't have been in place of giving their first fruits back to the Lord. Okay, so I hope that's helpful. Now, let's look back to the Bible because Paul presents another liberating truth. Liberating truth number three. When we give, we won't end up with less than we need we will end up with all that we need. When we give, we won't end up with less than we need, we'll end up with all that we need. And this gets right at the fear that many experience when it comes to giving. What if I don't have enough to meet my needs? What if I give and then I can't provide for my family? Look what Paul goes on to say in verses eight and nine. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Again, highlight underline, circle. He's able to bless you abundantly. Why? So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then he goes on to quote from Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 112, and he says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Basically saying that the God-fearing person who gives to the poor will never be forgotten by God. So Paul wanted the Corinthians to be free from the fear that generous giving will leave them wanting. He says, God is able, able to do what? Bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times you will have all you need so that you will abound in every good work. I want you to notice he used the word all three times. Now, he's not saying that if you give, you'll never experience hardship or difficulty. He's not saying that if you give, uh, he'll give you all you want. What he is saying is if God stirs your heart to give, you don't have to fear that you won't be able to meet all your needs. And I remember there was a time when I was in college And I was one of those guys in college, you know, you don't have a lot of money in college. And so I generally drove my Honda Accord around with less than a quarter tank of gas. Anybody been, uh, that was just just where I lived. And so when I started getting like really low, like almost below the E, I'd put like five, 10 bucks in. So I remember one day I needed to borrow a truck. And so I went and talked to uh, the Dean of Students. He had this old Ford truck and I said, can I borrow your truck? He said, sure, go ahead, take it. He said, again, the fuel tank's broke on it, so you won't be able to know whether it's full or empty, but it's got gas in it. So he said, just leave your car in case I need anything. I said, okay. So I left my car, and I left my car basically on empty. And uh, this is just how I lived. So I left my car on empty. I took his truck. I did what I needed to do. 
And as I was bringing his truck back that night, I felt the Lord say in my heart, fill his truck up with gas. And so I drove for a while and the whole time I'm sitting there saying, Lord, you know I don't have money to fill his truck up with gas. My car is on empty. I only have about 20, 30 bucks left for this month. And if I fill his truck up with gas, I ain't gonna have enough to fill up my car and do the things that I need to do. And plus, his gas tank is broken, so he won't even know if I put gas in it. (laughs) But the whole way back to our college, I just could not shake the feeling that the Lord was telling me to stop and to put gas in his truck. So again, I always remembered if you win an argument with God, you lose. So I stopped at the gas station and I put somewhere around 15 to 20 bucks in his truck. And I just felt like, Lord, I'm doing this. I'm not gonna have what I need. My car is empty. I need my car next week and I'm not gonna have money for gas. So I fill his truck up. I mean, not all the way up, but I put 15 to 20 bucks in it and I take it back to his house. And he had parked my car down at the college. He kind of lived up on this hill above the college. And so I take him his truck and the whole, whole way down, I'm just like regretting. Why did I just fill his his car up, you know, his truck. He doesn't even, 15 bucks don't matter to him. And I go down and I get in my car and I'll never forget it. I turned the key on and it, it almost startled me. I turned the key and my gas tank went whoop all the way to full. And I'm telling you, it was one of those moments where it literally shocked me and stopped me. I was like, what just happened? Now, obviously he filled my tank up, but I remember sitting in that car just remembering that the Lord just speaking to me and saying, John, when you're obedient and you step out and do what I ask you to, you don't have to fear that you won't be able to take care of your needs. I put in about 15 bucks. I got about 30 to 40 back in my tank. God is able to bless you abundantly. You don't have to fear. Now, I've seen many times in churches uh, you know, in an effort to encourage people to give, to say, you know, God will bless you abundantly. I thought this was funny. I've seen churches that offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee on giving. And I recently heard about a pastor in California sharing with his congregation about a Florida church offering this to first-time givers. And the deal was, at this Florida church, if you give for 90 days and don't feel more blessed after, we will refund all your money that you gave. We'll give it back to you. And so the pastor in California is talking with his congregation. He said, you know, I kind of like their idea. And so from now on, if you start tithing here at our church in California, at the end of 90 days, if you're not satisfied, you just go ahead and call up that church in Florida. (laughs) And they'll refund your money to you, right? I thought that's the way to do it right there. Give some incentive, but then you you have someone else take care of it. But listen, at the end of the day, we can trust that God can meet our needs. You know, as I was preparing this week, I just got the distinct impression that there may be some listening today who, you know what, God has been stirring your heart for some time to step out and give, whether it's to the church, whether it's to another individual you know that's in need, and you have been hesitant to do it because a little bit out of your comfort zone and you're saying, what, what if, I, if I step out of my comfort zone and do this, I might not have what I need. And I want you to hear God speaking to you today. His word is, again, God is able to bless you abundantly. You don't have to walk in fear. 
He is able to bless you abundantly so that you have all that you need and so that you'll abound in every good work. We don't have to walk around in fear. God is able to bless abundantly. Now, let me give you one more liberating truth that Paul teaches us. Liberating truth number four. When we give, it often results in getting more, but it's so that we can give more. Now, that's a mouthful right there, but when we give, it often results in getting more, but it's so that we can give more. You know, those who are proponents of the prosperity gospel basically teach that Jesus died to make you rich, and when you sow a seed in faith, Oh, he's going to bring it back to you. You're going to live in luxury. You got that private jet coming. Mm, that Bentley, that vacation home. But look back to what Paul says. In verse 10, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So they'll take this verse and say, look, it says right there, he's going to supply and increase your store of seed. See, it says if you give, he's going to increase your store of seed. And so it's the idea that if I just give, oh baby, I'm going to get, it's like saying he gives you seed to fuel your greed. But is that what Paul is saying? Well, I think Paul leaves no room for confusion because he goes on to say in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way and pay attention to these two words, so that, so that. He's gonna tell you this is the purpose of why God enriches you. So that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So Paul says yes. When you give, God often, and he's able to increase your store of seed. But it's not so that you can fuel your greed. It's so that you can meet the spiritual and physical needs of others. So Paul is saying, God doesn't give back to you so you can increase your standard of living. He gives back to you so you can increase your standard of giving. You know, when I think of this, I'm reminded of a couple here at Northwoods, Mike and Melissa, whom I've come to know over the last year, who have an incredible heart of generosity. And so a few months back, I asked them to share their story. Now, I, I didn't ask them to share because I want to hold them up and say, look at them. But I'm doing it because in a similar way that Paul would hold up examples of those who gave generously. You remember in chapter 8, he's holding up the example of the Macedonian church. And he did it to stir generosity in others. That's, that's the reason I'm sharing their story today. They, they didn't want to get up here and say, look what God's doing to us. No, it's just saying, this is what God has done. And I want to encourage you because when you trust him, he is a God who is able to bless us abundantly. And their story began a few years back under the leadership of our former senior pastor, Pastor Cal. And like you heard in announcements today, if you're new and you don't know him, You'll get to know him in the days ahead because he'll be speaking here in a couple of weeks. He's also uh, my dad. But I want you to pay attention to how in their story, as they surrendered themselves to the Lord and were obedient and committed to giving back to the Lord, the Lord continued to provide more, which fueled more giving on their part. Let's watch the story. 
So I think that it all started um, back when Pastor Cal was preaching and he encouraged us to read a story. And I remember figuring out what I wanted to pray circles around. And at the time I was teaching high school English, I really felt like God wanted to open the door for me to be able to stay home. So I remember going to Mike and saying, hey, I think that maybe I should stay home <laughs> for at least a year. And I, my first reaction was, no, absolutely not. I'm a numbers guy and I, I knew our monthly budget and she persisted and came back to me, well, run the numbers with me. So I showed her those numbers. I'm like, babe, we're five or $600 short every month. There's like, the math doesn't work. We can't, you can't stay home. Little did I know how hard she was praying about this. And I'm sitting there reading uh, in the word. I don't even know what I was reading, but I was sitting there and as clear as I've ever heard the Lord, I heard Melissa is to stay home. She resigned from her job. So we were cut down to one income. Again, reading through scripture, I came across the Lord's prayer where it said, give me, give me this day my daily bread. This needs to be my prayer. Just give me my daily bread, not my savings bread, not my retirement bread, just Lord, give me my daily bread. And after I had been off for about six months, I decided I wanted to start a, a small business. The first month I remember the first check you got was for $23. Cal gave a sermon, kind of the main point of it was, you need to pray specific prayers. If you're a small business owner, pray for your business. After that sermon, we went home and I, we talked about, hey, we have a small business. Let's pray that the Lord blesses this business. So Mike had gotten a number. He said, I think that God is telling me that he wants you to make $20,000. I was like, okay, if you say so. But that I took that opportunity then to say, God, I dedicate this business to you. Like if that is what you want, then I want to use as much of that $20,000 as I can to give back to your kingdom. And then end of the year comes and I, I still remember opening that piece of mail and looking at the number and it was $20,060. This was beyond coincidence, beyond anything. Like this was a answered prayer. So the next year, you got a number again. Yeah. He gets all the numbers. Well, <laughs> I remember thinking, well, we did this the first year. Like, you want me to pray for another number? Please lay a number on my heart. What was it double? It was triple. I remember opening that, that 1099 and it being just God seeing you and God answering specific prayers twice. So then the next year, Mike got a number again. It was uh, a six-figure number, which was a little bit scary. Again, God provides. And God's not a vending machine God. Just because you pray, God, give me a number, or you feel like God's going to provide a certain number, that's not how it works, right? He has to have a plan. So that next year, we didn't get a number when we prayed, and that was a year of kingdom surge. That was a year God didn't give us a number, but... He gave us a number of what we were supposed to give. So not what I was supposed to make, but what we were supposed to give. And I remember we wrote our numbers down on what we were supposed to give. Mm -hmm. And we had the exact same numbers, but one of us had an extra zero. I had to remind myself, I dedicated the business to him. Everything he had given to us was his. And you, you don't stop praying. Like you believe that there's gonna be an answer and you just have faith and and you know that whatever answer God gives you is the right answer. And then you see his provision through that. It's just, I don't know, it just grows your faith, right? And then you're you're emboldened to pray 
bigger prayers, more specific prayers, knowing like he's been there in the past, he'll continue to be there in the future. Come on, give it up for them. That's an incredible story. I remember when I, uh, when I first sat down to meet with them and I've gotten to know them over the last year, I, I remember, uh, I think it was Melissa who said, you know, I, yeah, I think I have the gift of giving. Like, that's a thing, right? And I'm like, yeah, I think you do have the gift of giving. But again, it's a great story of how when we give, yes, God is able to bring it back to us, but it's not so that we can live in luxury. It's so that we can continue to be generous. And you see this happening. They just obedience to God from the very beginning. God's saying, I want, you, I want you to let your wife, I want you to tell your wife to stay home. Okay, I'll trust you, God, even though I don't know how I'm gonna get the need met, I trust you. And as you trust and surrender to God, it just, again, God brings it back, and I love how they would just say, this isn't for us, we're just gonna continue to give back, and God would increase it more, and it was so they could continue to increase their generosity towards the Lord's kingdom. It's an incredible story of what God does. And again, it's that goes back to those who reap sparingly, who, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, but those who sow generously will reap generously. God is able to enrich you in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. So as we close, I wanna ask you to stand and we're gonna pray as we close this morning. And again, I want to close this morning the same way that we did last Sunday, because when we have a message on giving, again, there might be some of us saying, again, okay, so John, what, what do you want me to do? And again, I want to say, it's, it's not what I want you to do, because your giving is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do. And so what I would encourage you to do is in this moment, just you and the Lord, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this question. You just ask him, you say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do in response to your word? Holy Spirit, what would you have us do in response to your word this morning? God, I thank you that you are a God who speaks. And we thank you for how you speak to us through your word. And Lord, I pray as you lay things on each of our hearts this morning, that you would give us courage to step out in obedience and trust you. And Lord, I thank you for the reminder that when we place what we have in your hands, that you are able to multiply it. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just, as a church, you would increase our heart uh, of generosity towards you and towards others, Lord. And I pray that as we do that, I pray you would pour your blessing out on your people, Lord. Your blessing financially, your blessing in joy, in peace, in contentment, in fulfillment. I pray you would pour it out on your people. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is able to bless abundantly. We give you all the praise and all the glory, and it's in your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for what he's done this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Again, church, thanks so much for being here. Those of you listening online, great to have you with us. 
Again, if you need prayer, we'll have our prayer team down front. We would love to pray with you. If there's still donuts out there, make sure you grab one more on your way out. And uh, we'll hope to see you back next Sunday.